0: A roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business.
1: From CCTV
2: headquarters here in Beijing, this is Global Business. I'm Shia Lindenberg. Coming up on the program. Strong ties, the Belt and Road Forum for International Cooperation, wraps up in Beijing with hundreds of fresh cooperation agreements inked by the participating countries across multiple sectors. Bolstering trade in today's Biz Focus, we visit an industrial park in Ethiopia to find out how the project is facilitating trade and boosting employment along the BRI partner countries. And we take a closer look at China's property market as new home prices rose in first and second tier cities in September. Chinese President Xi Jinping has held talks with a number of visiting world leaders attending the Third Belt and Road Forum for International Cooperation in Beijing this week. Zhao Yunfei has the story.
0: World leaders have gathered here in Beijing to attend the Third Belt and Road Forum. In the four-day space, Chinese President Xi Jinping has met with more than 20 of them here at the Great Hall of the People. There is a unique significance to each country whose leaders are in Beijing this week. Russia is an important partner as China pursues international Belt and Road cooperation. Indonesia is where President Xi first proposed the creation of the 21st century Maritime Silk Road. Chile is a pioneer in Belt and Road cooperation in Latin America. Potential new areas of cooperation were among the focal points of talks with the visiting leaders. President Xi said China would promote exchanges in digital technology with Kazakhstan including in cross-border e-commerce and artificial intelligence, and foster new growth drivers with Serbia in the digital economy and technological innovation. With Kenya, President Xi said China would expand cooperation in new energy to help the country achieve green development. China says enhancing connectivity remains the focus of the Belt and Road Initiative.
3: China's BRI is an open platform
0: we welcome the participation of all parties at any time. In the meantime, we hope that other countries' connectivity initiatives could also stay open, rather than being a closed small circle. With hospitality and inclusive mind, this gathering of world leaders in Beijing has opened a new chapter for friendly cooperation, paving the way toward shared benefit. Zhao Yunfei, CGTN, Beijing.
2: A number of international media representatives shared their impressions of President Xi's speech. They said the speech provided a new way of thinking for the world's future.
4: President Xi Jinping, um, speaking at the celebration of the 10th anniversary of the Belt and Road Initiative, spoke about the need to oppose geopolitical um, uh, conflict and the decoupling of the world. And I thought that's really Uh, something that's important and it specifically mentions the need uh, for cooperation in an open world economic order where we can have uh, shared prosperity and we share in the economic Um, value creation that is coming up with global trade, and I thought that's something that's really important. And initiatives like the Belt and Road are important to ensure that we have that shared prosperity and that shared value creation, and that's the sentence that I think really resonated with me uh, specifically, the aspect of opposing geopolitical uh, conflict and looking for more uh, cooperation in the global world economic order.
5: President Xi Jinping spoke uh, many things, also mentioned eight key points. One among the key points, eight key points, which... uh all of them was really interested. One among the important things is uh, President Xi Jinping believed that China never developed its alone. It needs cooperation with other countries. It is correct. I can see uh, physically the project. It's helped us because it's it's become a one among the source of income of our nations. And uh, I believe that uh, through this speech what uh, President Xi Jinping spoke uh, to us, it's going to uh, give us the new highlight and the way forward to think about it. the most important of these BRI is just cooperation and to get the benefit each other. Nobody maybe get much better than others. We are going to get a win-win situation. You get a profit, we get a profit, and the good thing is cooperation.
2: Xi Jinping
6: had the Belt and Road Initiative proposed by President Xi Jinping has united countries in the world by way of peace. The initiative not only focuses on economics, but also on climate change. President Xi also mentioned the BRI initiative will promote green development to the world.
2: In the wake of tax agreements being signed in Beijing between the China State Taxation Administration and the Senegalese government, our reporter Aaron Liu spoke to Senegal's Minister of Finance and Budget for a deeper understanding of the significant development. In the
0: text of the Belt and Road Initiative, How do you evaluate the significance of this
5: tax agreement?
7: This is a tax treaty reached between China and the Republic of Senegal, which is a move to strengthen cooperation. The economic and fiscal agreement between our two countries, more specifically, is an agreement to levy taxes on cross-border income, elevating double taxation for individuals and businesses involved in cross-border activities. It not only boosts tax predictability but also simplifies the resolution of tax-related disputes.
0: This year marks the tenth anniversary of the proposal of the Belt and Road Initiative. How do you assess the achievements made in the past decade, and what positive impacts has it had on bilateral
5: cooperation? We, donc, en fait, nous allons participer au forum. Ministerial.
7: We are actively engaged in the implementation of the Belt and Road Initiative, a crucial component of the economic and financial cooperation between China and Senegal. China has become a key partner for Senegal, particularly in the development of transportation infrastructure and services. Notably, the construction of highways with Chinese support has greatly spurred local economic growth. Participation in this forum holds immense significance for us on multiple fronts. Looking ahead, our cooperation should prioritize the modernization of various processes, including the digitalization of tax collection procedures.
0: Looking ahead, what other potential for cooperation do you see between the two
7: countries? We, we'll, a perspective... I believe it's very important for Senegal to benefit from the exchange of experiences with China in the field of information technology. In addition to cooperation in fiscal taxation, I hope it can also be expanded to infrastructure construction, transportation, and services, which are very important for our country. Of course, we have already achieved lots. China has provided funding for the construction of highways, and it is being implemented by a Chinese company. There are also some important projects on the way in energy infrastructure and services. China's experience is worth learning for our country. Cooperation in the fields of health and education is also important for us, and significant achievements have already been made, but it is important to continue in this area.
2: For more discussions on China-Europe high-quality cooperation, we're joined by Yang Hongjun, the Associate Dean of School of International Trade and Economics at UIBE. Professor Yang, thank you so much for joining us. So how can the establishment of an interconnected network contribute to the high-quality development of China-Europe freight trains and the creation of a new Eurasian logistics corridor supported by rail and road transportation?
1: Yeah, so I think an interconnected network can contribute in in several ways. First, high-quality infrastructure reduces transit time, which is crucial for perishable goods and time-sensitive products. So a well-connected network can ensure the China-Europe freight trains reach their destination faster. Second, I think improved infrastructure can reduce transportation costs, making the China-Europe freight trains more competitive compared with other transport modes. So this cost-effectiveness is attractive uh, both to companies and to consumers. Third, a comprehensive network can extend the reach of the China-Europe freight trains, making it easier for goods to transport to and from a wider range of locations, enhancing trade opportunities. And fourth, uh, modern transport networks can incorporate new technologies for real-time tracking, like route optimizations and security, making the logistics corridor safer and more efficient. And last, but not least, a well-connected network is more resilient to disruptions such as natural disasters or geopolitical tensions. It allows for alternative routes, reducing the risk of supply chain disruptions. And what measures do
2: you think can be taken to accelerate the construction um, of an open world economy through the development of a robust infrastructure network and improved connectivity between regions?
1: I think there are several measures can be taken. Now, first of all, now, building an open world economy is closely related to promoting high-level institutional openness, so which involves the creation of a high-level pilot free trade zones and free trade-like ports, along with aligning with international economic and trade rules at high standards. Now, second, governments and international organizations can invest in infrastructure development projects. This includes building and upgrading roads, railways, ports, and digital infrastructures, and etc. Third, bilateral or multilateral trade agreements can facilitate the flow of goods and services across borders, reducing trade barriers and improving connectivity. And fourth, encourage innovations in logistics and transportation to enhance efficiency. This includes in using digital platforms for trade facilitations and adopting sustainable practices. And fifth, promote regional economic integration through organizations like ASEAN, European Union, and African Union, etc. These entities can help coordinate infrastructure development and facilitate cross-border trade.
2: Thank you so much for your insights. Really appreciate your time. Yang Hongjun, Associate Dean of School of International Trade and Economics at UIBE for us. China's trade with Belt and Road participating countries continue to grow steadily. In today's episode of Biz Focus, a reporter, Zhu Zhu, visits an industrial park in Ethiopia to find out how the project is facilitating trade and boosting employment among partner countries.
6: Biz Focus, feeling China's economic pulse. Chinese President Xi Jinping has announced eight major steps China will take to support high-quality built-and-road cooperation. He said at the Third Built-and-Road Forum for International Cooperation yesterday that China will build a multi-dimensional built-and-road connectivity network. The country will also speed up high-quality development of the China Uber Railway Express and participate in the Transcapsian International Transportation Corridor. In addition, China will support an open world economy with its total trading goods expected to exceed $32 trillion US dollars and trading services recorded at over $5 trillion US dollars in the 2022 to 2028 period. Other steps include establishing pilot zones for Silk Road e-commerce cooperation and entering into trade uh, free trade agreements with more countries. He also vowed for more financing support for built-and-road projects on the basis of market and business operation. Previously, I went to an industrial park in Ethiopia to witness how measures like those are helping built-in world partner countries prosper. Take a look. Antex Textile is a garment manufacturing company from Fujian province in China. In 2018, the manufacturer set up its branch in the Adama Industrial Park of Addis Ababa, the capital city of Ethiopia. When we started to recruit employees back in 2018, hundreds of locals waited in long queues to apply. Their average monthly pay is about 400 yuan, or $55. That is about one-third higher than the local market wage. Sarah Bakali joined the company since 2018.
8: And uh, before the foundation, we are going to China for six months. We take the training about anything for the production. Some of the most advanced
6: production machines can be found here. This is their design picture, and their huge machine can cut those clothes very quickly based on those design pictures, and they can produce 1,000 design clothes in just one hour. All of these machines were imported from China. They have largely increased our production efficiency. Other local factories have to make these complex designs by hand. Apart from Ntex Textile, there are five other companies operating in Andama Industrial Park. Covering an area equivalent to about 140 soccer fields, 85% of its investment was funded by China.
5: All utilities, the infrastructure you have seen in the compound is built by Chinese contractors.
6: They have been making efforts to improve the living standard for local employees.
5: So after like a year or something, they are going to accommodate around 5,000 employees, the residents, the dormitory for free.
6: Currently, the six companies have recruited about 8,000 employees. They plan to expand the workforce to around 22,000 in three years. The industrial park is also part of Ethiopia's plan to transform the country's largely agrarian economy into an industrialized one by 2025. As we delve deeper into how the Chinese approach is really helping and also shaping the future for built and world participating countries, backed by interviews with locals in these nations, take a look. Over the past decade, China's imports and exports with Belt and Road partner countries have recorded an annual average growth rate of over 6%, surpassing both China's and the world's trade growth during the same period. So, how does the Chinese approach benefit the Belt and Road partner countries? To find you the answers, I'm currently at the Belt and Road Forum for International Cooperation. Take a look at this venue. It's a bus with delegates from over 150 countries.
5: I come from Kenya the first train from uh, chinese have been able to build the best roads in kenya uh, and that's why we are here with our president because of the immense benefits our country has benefited it's first trade and make the economy to to move to grow
6: first up china's approach to fostering economic growth can be summarized with a familiar saying to get rich build a road first china is willing to invest is willing to cooperate for co-developing projects. In that sense, I think it's very extraordinary. So I think that it's a very good perspective for the world. If we could use money for developing instead of wars or invasions, everybody could benefit. China is also boosting technology and training professionals to support built and Road partner countries in achieving sustainability.
5: First of all, we will uh, we will try to to collect and to make it together
9: the scientists from both sides. You know. And we will exchange the, our experiences and research results. Because China is so smart, so we have to follow do our, the same as our then, big brother.
6: It's about creating prosperous futures for everybody in a multipolar world. In the past, many developing nations struggled to build infrastructure due to a lack of funding, technology and talent. But now, under the Belt and Road Initiative, we can see islands connected by sea bridges in the Maldives, highways traversing rugged terrain in Montenegro, and railways spanning over 10,000 kilometers across Africa. According to forecasts from the World Bank, by 2030, international cooperation under the Belt and Road will help 7.6 million people escape extreme poverty. The initiative will also boost global trade growth by roughly 2% to over 6%, ultimately achieving shared prosperity.
2: Thank you so much, Juju, for your uh, participation. Now, to China's housing market in September, new home prices in first- and second-tier cities registered a year-on-year increase of 07 and 0.2% in September, according to official data. Analysts said the growth is mainly benefited from most uh, growth observed in Beijing and Shanghai. A series of consumer-friendly policies were recently introduced and bolstered demand. However, third-tier cities experienced a slight dip in new home prices compared to last year. On the flip side, the situation is less rosy for pre-owned homes as their prices continue to decline nationwide. During the first eight months of this year, Shanghai welcomed 24,000 new apartments to rental market and an additional 30,000 homes are anticipated to be completed or become available by year end. As our reporter Zhang Shixuan investigates, younger renters might find some positive developments. With more developers now considering their requirements when launching new projects,
8: with a construction area of 160,000 square meters, this is the largest rental project in Shanghai's suburban Songjiang District, and it's now almost rented out. The occupancy rate has jumped 40 percentage points from last year. And the reason behind the increase has been the growing number of young people in the
1: area.
0: Our occupancy rate has reached 90%. At the same time, there have been more young residents here, aged below 35. Most of them aged between 21 and 28 and are highly educated. The most popular apartments are studio and a one-bedroom apartment. There are people queuing up for those two layouts. Now around 35% of people living here can also receive the G60 talent housing subsidies. That has increased from 20%.
8: The property developer has also been organizing regular activities during festivals, holidays and weekends. The aim is to create a community that's attractive for young people to live in long term. In the first half of the year, 37% of the top 30 rental project owners in China were state-owned companies. They have been dominating the market. However, foreign companies have also been tapping into the market, setting their sights on high-end rental projects. In just two years, two buildings have shut up here in Shanghai's downtown Jing'an district. It's a new long-term rental apartment project by U.S. property giant Graystar. This is the foreign property developer's second high-end rental project in Shanghai. Once it's completed next year, 580 apartments will be available with prices ranging from 15 to 30,000 yuan per month. Graystar says its confidence in the project is based on the promising market demand. So who are the target customers?
9: Especially in this area in the heart of Shanghai, that's even more core. It's actually more appealing to even younger populations as well. So we are targeting a slightly younger demographic. So we are targeting people that are maybe starting from college grads to maybe kind of their early years of their profession into kind of the mid thirties. Past couple months especially, I would say we've seen additional vibrancy Coming back into Shanghai. Um, so that would include basically foreigners again coming back into the city. It also includes a lot of overseas Chinese students, as well as Chinese that were working abroad before and now coming back to China um, to basically help rejuice re- and also reboost the economy.
8: Ma says the company's first project in the city, located near the downtown Zhongshan Park area, has seen its occupancy increase by around 30 percentage points this year. That property is now almost fully occupied, so next year will be the good timing to open the second one.
9: This is actually our first kind of what we call purpose-built project here in China. Aside from just, you know, a unit for you to live in, we're going to have ground floor retail with cafes, F M is going to be our first project in Shanghai. It's going to have an outdoor swimming pool. We'll have amenities like karaoke, uh, game rooms, um, private dining, uh, gym. It's easy to see that these long-term rental properties in
8: Shanghai are more than just four walls to live in. The developers and operators have been figuring out new ways to create a space for people to live a better life. Zhao Shixuan, ICS, for TN, Shanghai.
2: Now, for more on China's property market, we're joined by our guest, Bruce Pong, JLL Chief Economist. Uh, Bruce, thank you so much for joining us. So what insights can we draw from this monthly report on sales prices of residential properties in uh, 70 large and medium-sized cities in China? Uh, with recent
3: measures to stabilize the property markets, you can see that China's 2nd secondhand home prices in seven cities are on firming footing. Uh, as prices uh, slated uh, 0.5% month-on-month in the secondary market, but now there are more cities to see month-on-month price increase after decline in five consecutive months. I would say that second-hand home market is more sensitive to recent policy support and have shown some signals of stabilizations and putting it out. And new home prices were down 0.1% from a year earlier in September, a traditional peak month for home buyings. On a month-on-month basis, new home price fell 0.2%, but narrowed from a 0.3% drop in August. So uh, the number of cities recorded month-on-month price hikes dropped to the lowest in this year, but Tier 1 cities' price level went up 0.2% month-on-month after a four-month drop. So I would say there are some signs of recent policy supports having a positive effect, and, uh, uh, such as the increased balance of mortgage lending uh, to the household sector in September for the previous months, the most since March. And uh, it shows that more time and patience are still needed for sustainable recovery of home buyer sentiments and market confidence uh, before the boundary of home sales and housing prices in all tiers of cities can be seen.
2: And we saw, as you mentioned, first-year cities outperform the rest of the country in terms of price increase. What are the factors behind that? And what's your outlook for China's property market going forward in the near future?
3: Uh, almost all major cities in China actually have launched uh, policy stimulus in recent weeks by lifting home purchase curves, lowering mortgage rates and down payments, requirements, etc. But we all know that housing markets in cities are always with uneven paces and the one solution to fix all problems does not exist. So for cities with stronger suppressed demands due to housing price levels, policy curves, demographic profile, etc., the easing of policy measures could boost by sentiments and creates relatively stronger rebounds in, in home prices and transaction border. And, uh, uh, t- but the mixed performance of Tier 1 cities' home prices showed the necessity of adopting city-specific measures and to keep land costs, housing price, and market expectations stable. More targeted policies and supportive measures by these questions need to be rolled out to stimulate property markets and we expect this uh, to happen soon.
2: Yeah, and can a wider use of rental apartments offer a solution to meet the rising demand uh, for housing in the future? And what other options are available uh, to potential first time home buyers? But actually, we think uh, the positive catalyst uh,
3: enjoyed by China's rental apartments and the mother family sector And actually the same uh, major drivers that have to fuel China's rental housing booms, uh, including an influx of them the migrants to major cities, strong policy support, as well as growing popularity of renting among China's young. Younger populations, and we expect all these positive drivers to remain in the medium to long term. And uh, uh, before purchasing a uh, property, people can actually uh, choose to rent as a transition housing option. And this provides greater flexibility and freedom as well as a lower cost while allowing people to have time for better property research and preparations. And, um, the Chinese government actually is encouraging more private uh, rental apartments properties to convert into affordable rental housing. And according to official data, a total of uh, six point five million homes for leasing purpose will be built across forty uh, major cities in the five years through twenty twenty five. So uh, and. Uh, According to our observation, we see also more and more investors will be interested in and participate in China's rental housing sector on the back of favorite policies, resilient demand, as well as better market liquidity. So we think that uh, the diversifications of housing supplies will help to uh, elevate the housing pressures on young people in major cities, as well as contribute to the accelerating uh, of a housing system that can combine rental and sell. And also, we can help local governments to uh, support, encourage the enterprise-led uh, construction of employment departments, and also to bring benefit uh, to uh, for uh, uh, in terms of like investment attractions, talent retention, as well as transformations and upgrading of the local industrial structure.
2: All right, thank you so much for your insights. Really appreciate your time. Bruce Pong, JLL Chief Economist for us. And that will do it for this edition of Global Business here on CBTN. I'm in Beijing.